This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, the Biden administration has been moving quickly in the area of climate change to shift away from some of President Trump's environmental rollbacks. But how much can President Biden do and how much must be done by Congress? Sarah Light, an associate professor of legal studies and business ethics at the Wharton School, joins us to discuss this side of the story. Sarah, great to talk to you again. Hi, Dan. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, So I guess that is the big question. Uh, Who's going to be able to do what in this entire shift? Great question. And I think that this is one that sometimes gets glossed over when there are reports in the press about President Biden or President Trump has done X on climate change. There are some things that the president can do by executive order. um, And there are some things that simply have to be done uh, by an agency like the EPA or the Department of Transportation. And yet other things need to be done by Congress itself. So there's been a lot of reporting um, on the two big executive orders that uh, President Biden signed, first on January 20th and then on January 27th. Um, These basically announce a uh, major set of climate priorities for the new administration. First, to achieve net zero economy-wide carbon emissions by 2050 and a carbon-free electricity sector by 2035. So it's great that there are goals in place, and these executive orders essentially serve the function of setting out, laying out the administration's priorities. But obviously, an executive order can't, by the stroke of a pen, um, do all of those things. So it's worth looking more specifically at what executive orders, these executive orders do, and what executive orders do um, in general. So let me let me ask you this, Sarah, is is in this process, is there kind of a line of delineation between the two sides here? Yes. So when the president signs an executive order, that order can only bind federal agency behavior. So if you actually look at the executive orders that President Biden signed, you'll see things like um, the January 20th order directs the EPA to propose new regulations on methane and volatile uh, volatile organic compounds from the oil and gas sector, or to um, review uh, regulatory actions by the Trump administration and consider suspending, revising, or rescinding them, including things like the Trump rollback on um, uh, fuel economy standards and greenhouse gas emissions from new uh, vehicles. The president can't actually, by the stroke of a pen, um, rescind something that is a regulation adopted by the EPA. What the president can do is that he can direct his administrative agencies, like the EPA or the Department of Transportation or the Department of Defense, to um, undertake certain actions. So that's why you hear um, executive orders being used for things like um, rules on federal contracting, Right. So if someone wants to enter into a contract with the federal government at a certain point, they're, you know, they're going to buy only electric vehicles or they're going to have to um, report their greenhouse gas emissions. But the president can't sign an executive order that binds General Motors. Right. Right. And so the reason why we're seeing these executive orders is partly about announcing priorities and directing agencies to take action, but partly because they were so popular under Trump. 
Right. Trump did a lot by executive order, and they're the least durable form of government action because they can simply be undone by the next president. So let me ask you uh, twofold for the next question. What kind of role then will state government potentially play in this? And, and also, as you kind of alluded with GM, there's a role that corporate America obviously wants to play on many fronts in this situation. Yes, absolutely. So I think that they're um, – Under the Trump administration, obviously, there was so much retrenchment at the federal level that states and local governments really stepped up their commitments. I believe 32 states announced that even though the federal government um, was going to pull out of the Paris Climate Agreement, that those 32 states would still abide by uh, commitments undertaken, as well as hundreds, if not thousands, of companies uh, likewise committed to the goals of the Paris Agreement to keep global warming to below two degrees Celsius, um, as well as the, the sort of more sub- substantial commitments within, uh, within the, the Paris Climate Agreement. So that was something that really increased in a way and increased in prominence under the Trump administration. I'm quite certain that states, local governments, and the private sector are all going to continue many of their actions. And that is exemplified by General Motors' announcement, uh, you know, that got a lot of press today that it's basically only going to sell zero emissions vehicles um, by yeah. 2035. Yeah. That's not required by law, but that's a, that's a clear statement of, of where the company thinks uh, the transportation sector is heading. So I'm sure that both states and local governments and the private sector are going to continue. But these two executive orders issued by the Biden administration demonstrate a very strong commitment to um, combating climate change in, I think, really five primary ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first is that there, uh, the administration has announced that it is rejoining the Paris Agreement. Yeah. Second, it is directing agencies to review all of the environmental rollbacks under the Trump administration and decide which one of those can be suspended, revised, or otherwise new regulations need to be put into place. The government intends to um, prioritize a renewed focus on the major contributors in the United States to climate change, including electric power generation, transportation, and methane from the oil and gas sector. And this is going to be, fourth, a government-wide approach So we're not just going to be looking to the EPA and the interior, but also the Defense Department, the Transportation Department, um, the financial regulators, Treasury, the SEC, labor, other government regulators whose missions don't ordinarily um, seem to be about climate and environment. But the Biden administration is saying, yep, transportation, uh, well, transportation, I guess, is more obvious. I mean, Treasury you know, you need to be focusing on climate change as a financial risk. And then the fifth primary development here is a renewed emphasis on the importance of environmental justice and recognizing the unequal burdens that uh, climate change and environmental degradation have on um, low-income and minority communities. It's going to be very interesting to see all of this play out. Sarah, thanks very much for your time. Wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Dan. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Sarah Light, Associate Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.